What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 17, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Solitudes. And you can find us, as always, on Google Play Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. And, uh, Zach, I don't know if you noticed this. Uh, I did this a while ago. What? Uh, our podcast hosting service has the ability to create a site, a website. <gasps> yeah. Really? And yeah, and it's really simplistic, like uh, hilariously, sim- <laughs> almost like GeoCities level simplistic. Wow. But I toggled it on just, you know, because, hey, why not? But that is actually a way that you can listen to us as well, because all of these episodes are embedded in that thing. And then you can just go to there and they got a little player on the website and la-di-da. And where would they go to find yeah. that? Where would they go to find that? <laughs> I don't remember the URL. I think it's, um, I think it's like something <laughs> ridiculous, like walking dash through dash the dash pod. No, Stargate dot pinecast dot com. I think pinecast is who we use to host our uh, podcast. Uh, a needless shout out to them because they aren't giving us any money. So you know, uh, yeah, do what you want with that information. Money. Mm, indeed. Actually, we are. All right. <clears throat> so anyway, but you can find us there too. So, but anyway, the point of all this is so that when you find us, you bother to log into the service that you use and then rate us and review us. And then, as many of you are doing, tell your friends. You know, briefly, speaking of Pinecast. Yes. Briefly, we had ascended to the heights of almost 100 subscribers. In fact, it was like 94 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it has since plummeted. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking that those were robots oh. that were. No, no, no. It's all good because these are the loyal listeners. That's right. right. We don't want the, we don't want the the people that are only like here and then gone. In fact, if you're a person listening to this right now and you're saying to yourself, "Hey, I'm gonna check this thing out. I don't know if I'm gonna like it. If I don't like it, I'm gonna yeah, just go. Just, just, just wait, stop. Wait, 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 Brent, Brent. We love you. Please listen sure. to our podcast. This one and all of the others before this and all the ones that we make after this because they're the best. And, and you know, we need your validation to keep our hopes alive. <laughs> um, sure. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, I'm hoisting a glass, though, to the steadfast uh, subscribers. So thank yes, you so much for listening. Absolutely. This is a lot. And... Goodness gracious, as we're about to get into this one, I think, Zach, I think this episode turned the corner for me. <gasps> we'll get into it. We'll All get right. into it. But anyway. So. Uh, yeah, you can find us and review us and rate us. Uh, but Zach, if people want to get a hold of us, how do they do that? If you want to get a hold of us, beyond just rating and reviewing us and all of that stuff, you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That's W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. Flawless. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so (laughs) if you, for whatever reason, don't want to email us, there are several of you who have, and we appreciate every single one of them. Yes. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter, at Stargate Walking, and talk to us there. Brent is the one that does the best talking on Twitter, because I don't twit. Mm. Tweet. 
tweeter. Yeah. I don't do that's, that. That's kind. That's a kindness. Uh, well, it's all up to you, Brent, because I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> but I am on Facebook, if poorly. Uh, you can find us at <laughs> Walking Through the Stargate. Uh, we have a page and a group, so come and like the page and join the group and have conversations and all of that. And one of the things, Brent, you probably didn't pay attention to this because you're not on Facebook very often. Not really. No. But I did put out a poll. Uh, a few days ago to ask our lovely listeners and subscribers Mm -hmm. and likers and all of those uh, Mm -hmm. whether we should do two-part episodes as a single podcast or multiple podcasts. And we can still make whatever decision we want, but the poll overwhelmingly on a scale of X to zero... Uh, where X is some number that I can't remember, but around <laughs> four or five, maybe six. <laughs> yeah. uh, say that we should combine two-part episodes into a single podcast. So. Well, I guess the folks... But how on earth am I going to keep you all in suspense? How 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 is it going to be communicated? The, 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 the... Fine. We can do that. We can do whatever you want, Brent. I'm just telling this you. This is what true. This is our show. We this is our show. You, we, you know, I mean, they'll listen we to can us. Start, <clears throat> we could start breaking up every Maybe. episode into 10-minute bites. We could do it in between the television breaks. We could have an episode per television break. That's a possibility. <laughs> okay, fine. We won't do that. Okay. Right. So folks have said in an overwhelmingly unanimous fashion that they would rather that we get on with it than uh, drag it out. Yep. So we'll see okay. what happens. We'll talk about it amongst ourselves off the recording and figure things out. And you'll yes. find out in a few weeks when we find out. That's Ha-ha! a good point. Um, also, uh, at the end of our podcast, Brent, we listen to the promos or the, you know, teaser trailers for the next episode Mm -hmm. and i have found those on youtube and i have found them through season two so we still have quite a while to go before we run out however i cannot seem to find any beyond season two so dear listeners who are out there who are more savvy on the internet than i am oh boy we need you we need you we need you to because we need you know what's gonna have to happen you know what's going to have to happen if we if we can't find actual teasers to these things? What? We're going to have to like reenact the teasers ourselves. Well, I wouldn't even know what to reenact. That's exactly you my point. Seen the episode? It's going to be terrible. Yeah, you don't want that, dear listeners. No, no. You want the real teasers. <laughs> so if you know where they can be found, tell us, please. Are they on any of the um, box sets that you have? Like, are they extras? And why would they be? Uh, they, some might be there, maybe. I don't know. I'd have to double check. That would be kind of a weird thing to add. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Yeah. If I have some time this weekend, which is sort of like saying uh, I don't have time this weekend. <laughs> but if I have time this weekend, I might take a look sure. and see what I can okay. find. Okay. All right. Well, fine. So, that sounds all right. All right. Well, without further ado, Brent, should we get into it? Yes, please. All right. So this episode is directed by Martin Wood. Okay. Now, this is his very first directing credit for Stargate SG-1. 
But Brent, you need to get used to his name because this is only the first of 47 directing credits he has for this show. For this show? For this show. That is almost 25% (laughs) really of the episodes. I mean, there's something in the order of 215 or so episodes of Stargate SG-1, and he has directed 47 of them. His work is prolific. He is a key player in this series, and this is where it all began. Well, this, uh, this bodes well. Yes. Yes. Should we be keeping a separate scale? So we have the Catherine Powers scale. Should we be keeping a Martin Wood scale? You know, a Martin Wood scale would be far better than a Catherine Powers scale because ultimately, like, at the end of season two, we won't hear Catherine's name again or maybe once or so. Uh, sure. So we can, if you want, have a Martin Wood scale. Let's see. I mean, if it's a flat line, then, you know, well, that's I mean, no good. We'll, well, we'll have to see. So as we just good go through, point. we'll find out. So yeah, okay, I right. was digging through some of the information about Martin Wood. And as I've been doing, kind of found their first directing or writing gig or whatnot. His first sure. directing gig, according to IMDb, is a made-for-TV movie documentary called The Great Run of China. He was also okay. the writer for it. And according to IMDb, the only cast member was the host of this documentary, Barbara Higgins. And And he directed this thing? And he directed it. No. That's all the information that I can find. All right, Barbara. I think. I'm going to need you to read these lines in a sad way. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think it's a documentary about a young man who managed to run the entire length of the Great Wall of China. I think. Oh, okay. Okay. But I don't know. Oh, I get it. So the name is a pun. Sort of. The Great, the great Run, Run of China. China. Not the Great yeah. Wall of China. Yeah. So, I so see. There I you get go. it. That was in 1995. Um, so mm-hmm. there you go. Actually, that would have been fairly early on in his career because this episode aired in 98. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. I, I was just thinking that. It's like, yep. you know, he went from directing a documentary with one <laughs> cast member. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, in addition to Martin Wood as the director, we have uh, Brad Wright as the teleplay, as the writer of this episode. He's, mm-hmm. of course, one of the creators of the TV show. This is the fourth writing credit this season. He wrote Children of the Gods, The Enemy Within, and Fire and Water. For that one, he just did the story, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it was Catherine who wrote the uh, script. Yeah, Catherine wrote the teleplay for that one. Mm-hmm. But... So, um, his first writing credit, because, you know, this is what I do, was The New Adventures of the Black Stallion in 1990. Oh, my. Okay. Um, And I was looking through some of the credits and the the information about the new adventures of the Black Stallion from 1990. Uh, One of the episodes, not one of the ones that Brad Wright wrote, uh, but one of the episodes has Gary Jones... Who plays a veterinarian? Okay. Now, you probably don't know the name Gary Jones, but you no. know Gary Jones. Is he a Welsh singer of Gary ballads? Jones 
plays Radar. Hey! Oh, Radar! Yes! Oh, yeah! So there's another connection. Yes. All right. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Yeah! So, uh, Radar will get a real name, but we have to wait till like, season (laughs) four. So oh, really? <laughs> it's really hard for me uh, to because like everywhere I go online to find information about, you know, the, the cast and all of this stuff talks sure. about Gary Jones and give him gives him his character's name. Yeah. Blah, whoever. But, but you don't know it. No. And, and, and we don't know it until season four. And so I have to be very careful. And he's and this is Air Force too. I was about to say like he's a sergeant. Is no, he's not. They're yeah, in the he Air is Force a sergeant. So all those. Oh, he's a sergeant in the Air Force. But I thought their rankings were weird or different. I mean, I think they are weird and different. But whatever. Okay, great. In a case. Sergeant Radar. Sergeant Radar. Uh, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> one of the other guest actors in this episode uh, we saw for the first time is Dan Shea. He played Sergeant Siler. I don't think he actually was named in this episode, but he's the one that has to fix the Stargate and, you know... Oh, like, him! I want you to get it done in 12 hours. No, sir. Scotty, that way. yeah. Yeah, the Scotty guy. Uh-huh. Um, uh, he is a stunt guy, and he's... Um, wait, Justin, Julie has given me information. Martin Wood also was assistant director for 14 episodes of Stargate. Um. So, in addition to the 47 episodes that he simply directed, he was an assistant director for 14 more. Oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. Was he assistant director those days because he had a cold or something and he couldn't, like, really direct? I don't know. Like, um, he was on the docket. He was like, you know, all right, this is my show now. Oh, I got the sniffles. Uh, Jimmy, take over. <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't think you got he, this. I don't think Martin Wood is in this episode. Uh, but one of the things that I do know is that in most or many of his episodes uh, that he directs, uh, you do see him in one or two scenes in the background. Oh, okay. Uh, so when that comes out, I will point that out to you, Brent, at least he, when uh, I see it. He was probably one of the guys in the yellow suits that were going down in the, in uh, that, the could be, that could be. That could be. Um, in any case, back to Dan Shea, Sergeant Siler. Yeah. Dan Shea yeah. is a stunt guy, and he has done stunt guy things for forever. And his IMDb page is miles and miles long. Uh, we'll huh. see him a lot in this show moving forward from this. I think he is uh, Richard Dean Anderson's stunt double for the show. Oh, um, yeah, okay. Uh, okay. and, and we'll see all sorts of fun things with Sergeant Siler appearing as kind of a, a secondary character in the show for the next uh, nice. nine He certainly years. was memorable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially that line, like, this doesn't, it doesn't work this way, General. And, I'm like, and I was like, of course it works this way. The person in charge gives you a deadline, which is like almost impossible. And you say you can't make it happen. And then you do. Yeah. Well, apparently he's like Belana Torres, who does not pad her estimates. Uh huh. But well, let's talk about Stargate. Clear. Yeah. So okay, fine. All right. So I had a joke about uh, I had a joke about Dan Shea though that was popping in my head. Oh well, well I wouldn't want to stop you. So go go ahead. But unfortunately, it wasn't developed because I was too busy trying to cook it up because I was thinking about him being a stuntman and having a lot of opportunities busting through wooden things. But how does that describe his wooden acting? Uh, hey oh yeah, I, I actually that was one of the comments that, that I'll make later on uh, is that his acting is, is a little bit 
stiff. Well, I tell you what, though. Now that I know that he makes he makes his living not saying words and falling into things, like he did okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it certainly works, and he's a fun character to have. And and you know when you know yeah. that all of that stuff. Anyway, so Solitudes originally aired on February sixth, nineteen ninety eight. Mm-hmm. Number one on the charts in the U.S. was still Together Again by Janet Jackson. And uh-huh. in the U.K., it was Dr. Jones by Aqua. I don't know it. All right, I'll have to look right. it up later. So, I don't know, like, any of these songs because <laughs> pop music You is would not recognize Together Again if you heard it. I'm sure cool. I would recognize a ton of these. But yeah. to be able to figure out what they are by their name, not going to happen. Anyway, yeah, in the box office for this weekend, at number one was Titanic, still. Number two, coming in, this is a new one, The Replacement Killers. Goodwill Hunting stands pat at number three. The Blues Brothers 2000 pops oh in new gosh. at number four. Oh. Yeah. And Great Expectations, which was number two, dropped down to number five. Yeah, yeah. So. Blues Brothers 2000. Blues Brothers 2000. Oof. Yeah. So that's what people were watching at this point in time. Uh, what happened on this day? February 6th, the Washington National Airport is renamed the Ronald Reagan National Airport. On Mm. February 6th, 1998. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. On February 7th, the 18th Winter Olympics begin in Nagano, Japan. Mm. Two days later, on the 9th, there is a failed assassination attempt on the Georgian president, Eduard Shevardnadze. Shevardnadze. Sure. (laughs) Well done. Yeah. (laughs) Uh Um, We'll call that whatever. Uh, and then finally, on February 10th, AOL raises its monthly flat rate internet access from 1995 to 2195. You know what? I'm really curious. All right. So pardon the clicky clack. I got to I gotta pull up an inflation calculator here real quick. Oh. Inflation calculator. And sure, that one will work. And we want to talk about $21. Eh, 22 bucks. Let's call it 22. In 19. 19- 1998, right? Uh huh. It is worth thirty-three dollars and eighty-five cents now. Um, so thirty-three dollars and eighty-five cents for one what? month of dial-up. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. I mean, what were their speeds? Like fourteen four, right? <laughs> um, they might be at fifteen something by that point in oh time. Oh my! Oh my! Um, anyway, all right. So uh, they're paying thirty bucks a month for 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 the for the for the net. Yep. Using Netscape. And of course, no, you no no. If this you're a baller, been, yeah. Uh, if you knew what you were up to, if you knew that, like you know, your AOL um, program actually also gave you access to data generally, and you didn't have to use their built-in browser thingy or built-in any any of that stuff. But anyway, yeah, yeah. that was the shizzle for internet yeah, access were, at the uh, time. Yeah. You were, you were, um, you were rolling so especially yeah. if you were at home if you were at businesses you could probably get uh, uh, land speeds of a little bit faster but yeah oh. ooh. <laughs> so shall we continue yes all right trivia 
for Samantha Carter's close-ups on the snowy plateau of Antarctica. Uh, yeah. Amanda Tapping and a second unit film crew uh, shot her scenes at the Pemberton Ice Field, which is located in the Coast Mountains in British Columbia. Yeah, okay. All right. So um, she was out in the mountains. Uh, then they had to do some digital work to get the Antarctic flat landscape there. Uh, yeah. That was all done in post. Yep. Uh, the shot of Don S. Davis, that is Major General Hammond, wearing a Parker parka that is shown. Wearing Parker. Parker. You're wearing, wearing Peter Parker. Parker. What? 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 Huh? He's wearing a parka uh-huh. uh, that is shown during the opening credits comes from this scene. Um, I don't know if you yes. noticed that. Uh, I did, and it was actually this time around. I was watching the credits, and I was thinking back to Zach. You were mentioning, you know, hey, a lot of these scenes are like coming up or whatever, or like or happening. I think is how you phrase it, and and so I was noticing the Donis Davis, Davies, Davis, Davis, um, uh, shot, and thinking to myself, huh, I wonder when I'm going to see this. And I was like, oh, it's today. There he there is. You go. <laughs> Look at that. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So, uh, error code forty four. Uh, is raised by Windows when a program must disconnect uh, an offending peripheral device. <laughs> and when the Stargate starts to break at the beginning, it gets an yeah. error 44 Stargate. <laughs> Was that intentional? I, Did they know what they were doing? Been. It had to have been. Oh, gosh. If so, that's a fantastic nerd joke. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, okay. I got a couple of goofs in this episode. When the yeah, gate okay. uh, is fixed after the overload, uh, Stargate Command redials P4A771 to search for Carter and O'Neill, but on the dialing computer, the chevrons dialed are those for Abydos. Now, that's just a, a, a standard shot that was used I, early on and yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know this until it said so and so yeah, I'm like I, no, I totally believe it um, that's uh, of uh, course there was somebody that's that's gone through this work to try and figure oh, this yeah. out of course. so what you're saying is that there are bigger nerds out there than we are um, which that's kind of hard to believe I know sometimes but uh, yeah they exist yep, yep they do exist and if you are one of them let us know yeah uh, in the Go opening ahead and, uh, scene, point us to the direction of the. Uh, undoubtedly, there's a chart somewhere with every single chevron. <laughs> I'm sure with there every is. Every single one of them. <laughs> I'm sure there is. In the opening scene, Master Sergeant Radar informs uh-huh. Hammond that SG1 is returning through the gate before the gate has opened. Yeah. And yeah, there I'm was like, something about that sequence that was a little, yeah, there yep. was a lot about it that was like, yeah, hmm? it's like, huh, that's hmm. interesting. Uh, the gate has to open before you can get a GDO signal before you can tell yeah, who well, it is. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, this is okay to say now because we've seen the episode and presumably those of you who are listening have also seen the episode. And if you haven't, then go la, 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 la for the next like 30 seconds and, and, and and then come back. Unless I'm mean and spoil it like a minute from now. Well, okay. But you know, (laughs) if you get through the synopsis, then coming back to this, it'd be fine. In any case. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) When this episode originally aired, the TV listing description gave away the climax of the episode and the fact that O'Neill and Carter were stranded at another gate on Earth. No way. Yes. 
In fact, so like June and I were a little bit concerned about this, and so we had to watch the teaser trailer that we watched last week for this episode to make sure that it didn't spoil that because I didn't want you to be spoiled. I wanted you to experience that fresh. Oh, and boy, was it fresh. Oh, my goodness. So, oh, man. Was it yesterday? Last night? Uh, two yeah. nights ago, last night, uh, I was uh, doing whatever I was doing in the evening, working or uh, something. Oh, I had like a meeting and something at, at, sure. at the, my work. <laughs> uh, and then I get this text and I look at it and and in all caps, my dear friend Brent says, A second Stargate! Yeah. <laughs> I, I had just finished the episode <laughs> and was like... This is amazing! Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was all pretty, right. pretty stoked. Was so, pretty stoked. shall we get through this synopsis so we can really talk about it? Yeah, let's burn through all this All right, thing. let's do this. Okay, the synopsis, once again, from the Stargate Command wiki with my own edits. Stargate Command receives an unscheduled activation. Everyone is on high alert when they receive a GDO signal from Stargate from uh, Stargate One SG One. Sure, well that matters. Yeah, yeah, it works. I mean, that's where the SG yeah. comes from. Uh, yeah, but the Stargate begins to malfunction. It draws more electricity than normal, much more. Suddenly, Doctor Jackson is flung through the gate and crashes to the ramp, unconscious. Soon, Tilk follows. He too slams against the ramp, but unlike Daniel, he is still awake. The surge of power continues. Sparks fly. Resistors stop resisting. And suddenly the <laughs> gate shuts down. Hammond asks Teal'c where Carter and O'Neill are. They should have been right behind him. Teal'c does not know where they are. O'Neill and Carter are lying unconscious next to a stargate in an icy cave. Samantha wakes and stands, stunned by her surroundings. O'Neill has a broken leg. With difficulty, Carter does what she can to put a splint on it. And having explored the cave while he was unconscious, she notes that she can see light at some of the fissures in the roof, indicating that they are not buried very deeply, although the fissures are too narrow to climb through. With limited supplies of food and fuel, survival will be challenging to say the least. Adding to the problem, their flashlights have limited battery power. At the SGC, Dr. Jackson and Teal'c theorize that since SG-1 was taking fire from a group of Jaffa as they tried to get back to Earth, several staff weapons may have struck the gate, causing the surge of energy. And this caused the malfunction and forced the wormhole to jump to another gate. Dr. Jackson theorizes the other gate must be somewhere along the line between the planet P4A771, and Earth. O'Neill and Carter are trapped somewhere out there. Several SG teams are sent to try to find them, but to no avail. General Hammond informs Jackson that he regretfully has to declare them missing in action. Meanwhile, in the icy cave, Carter and O'Neill attempt to sleep. They have to combine body heat to make it through the night, but this is especially difficult for O'Neill, given that he has some broken ribs, along with his broken leg. Carter continues her search of the cave, and she is excited when she finds the dial home device embedded in ice. Together, the two begin to chip away at the ice. O'Neill is struggling due to his injuries. Eventually, they unearth the DHD, 
but when Carter tries to dial Earth, the Stargate does not activate. She continues to dig through the ice to get to the inner workings of the DHD, and after resetting it, she tries again. The ground begins to shake and rumble, but the gate still does not open. Carter begins to despair, though she valiantly tries to hide it from the colonel. Back at the SGC, Jackson feels a slight vibration in the complex and notices that the Stargate chevrons begin to glow, but nothing else happens. Later, as he reviews all the possible locations for where his friends could be and all the locations where his friends are not, Jackson realizes that there was one planet they had initially dismissed that they shouldn't have. Earth. The rumblings he felt in the early morning triggers a connection for Daniel. He remembers how the SGC gate shook a lot in the early days before they put seismic dampeners on the gate. And he wonders if the problem is because his friends are stranded at a second gate on Earth. A check of recent seismic activity across the globe reveals rumblings in Antarctica at precisely the same moment SG-1 returned. And again, at the same time, Jackson felt something early in the morning. The two gates could not connect because their address would be the same, even if they had a different symbol for their point of origin. And this explains why Carter could not make a wormhole connection. With this information, SGC personnel immediately make their way to Antarctica and call for McMurdo Base to send rescuers to the location of the second gate. In the icy cave, O'Neill tells Carter to climb out of the cavern and, temp and attempt to find shelter. With some difficulty, she climbs out only to discover ice plains as far as the eye can see. Defeated, she radios O'Neill saying, It's an ice planet. She returns. She curls up next to O'Neill, both fully prepared to die and soon they fall unconscious. But then she's awakened by SGC personnel. Jackson and Teal'c tell her she's going to be okay, and so is Colonel O'Neill. And Hammond oversees the rescue and begins the process of securing the second gate. The end. The end! Woo! Holy moly! A second gate, Zach. I know. I've been so excited to talk about this, and I can't. <laughs> but now I can. Yes. You know, I did tell you that there was going to be something in the future that would explain how all of these things could possibly be. Oh, my gosh. There were so many little bits that, you know, certainly at first pass start to fall into place, mm -hmm. right? Like... <clears throat> like the Mongols who were not 10,000 years ago and the Minoans and the Peloponnesians and the Norse and the Aztec and all these things. It's just like, <gasps> it all makes so much more sense. <gasps> yeah. Indeed. And then it got me thinking, got me wondering, how many more gates are there? Are there more than two? Who knows? So Teal'c mentions, you know, they would build a second. The ghoul will, well, no, because the ghoul didn't build the gates. I think that I think that um, Jackson said that. Yeah. Whatever. Well, if, they would the have, ghoul, if they needed another gate, they would have had to take it from another planet and bring it to yeah. said planet. Yeah. All right. So there might not be there might not be several. I, I've got I've got Sully in the background making a whole lot of noise. Oh. Saying hello, hello. Hi. Um. 
Yeah. So you know how Sorry. many how many more gates are there? Uh, it got me thinking about forty two. Like, you know how, how did it eighteen? Forty two. Forty two. The answer, of course, of course. <laughs> Um, how did it come to be that the ghoul would stop messing around with Earth if there were all these gates, right? So, you know, the story, the original, original, original Genesis story right. in the movie was that, you know, the ghoul did blah de blah then the people uprose, and they buried the gate, etc., right? You know, so with a second gate, uh, have the ghoul been pestering Earth, and what's been the story about how they stopped, and have they ever stopped? Maybe they still are pestering? Maybe. Maybe. We'll oh, have, my God. We'll have to wait and see. I know. I know. Oh, man, but there was just so much about it. Like, it, you know, the, the, the episode itself, before the big reveal, I might have to might have to get up out of here. So hold on. Hold on. Okay. Sorry, Sully. Wow. All right, I'm back. All right, welcome back. <clears throat> All right, so what was I saying? Um, what was I saying? Uh, story, yeah. So the story itself was uh, kind of plodding along. It was fine, but it was kind of like, you know, okay, yep, this is going to be an episode where they, you know, rescue him in the, just the, the last second, right? This is going to be one right, of those moments. right. right. And uh, you know it's going to be one of those things that they that they dial the right one. There's going to be some amazing like, oh, I forgot to take into account the cir- the cir- the centripetal force of the gate between the f- photons and the nuclei and the and the top spin <laughs> and the charmed cork, and that's why they're in this planet over there, right? Woo! I thought it was going to be that, um, but then it was like they're on Earth, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. I was, yeah. I was, I was kind of, you know, I was hooked along, and then I got, and then it just went like, you know, bananas, like, yeah. yay, holy moly, yeah, so much fun. I have to say that as I was watching it closely this time, that I thought that the opening scenes uh, before the the opening credits, you know, that that first little opening there was yeah. just absolutely stellar. Uh, I mean, it just starts, boom, right into the action. The gate's going sure. off, and, and then there's the yeah. problem with the gate, and what's going on? And then you see Jackson fly through that. Now, the CG yes. there is a little bit wonky, but, uh, you know, you still have to forgive it because it's 1998. And he hits yep. that ground hard, and, and Teal comes out, and then it's gone and then it flashes to O'Neill and Carter lying on this icy planet and then you just see Carter stand and look around as the camera is panning back and you just feel this vast emptiness there and I'm like wow yeah no it was really cool now do you think so there was so a couple of those shots in the ice cavern Mm mm-hmm Right there was you could see the ring of the Stargate, and then you could see these like concentric circles of you know ice going back. That was from the plume, right? Um, well, we don't really know exactly what that's from, and there were some some chatterings on the the goofs and trivia's and whatnot that talks about that. Um, it. it it makes more sense that the gate was facing the other way. So when you had that kawoosh, it was going away from that wall out into the open. Yeah. Then there, um, 
so I mean, so how is that? I don't know. One of the things that somebody said in one of those comments that I read um, is if you remember back in, I think it was uh, the movie when the gate first opened, there was that kawoosh, and then it kind of sucked backwards into that, that funnel mm-hmm. spiral. Uh, sort of. Uh, I don't know yeah. if you remember that. Uh, well, it not, did that. Not deeply. Oh, um, yeah, kind of did. So maybe, maybe that's what happened, and then people ask, well, why does that happen? It doesn't happen all the time. Uh, we don't think we ever see it again happen on on uh, the Stargate at the, at the SGC, but uh, uh, who knows? I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, it certainly made it more visually appealing, yeah. that's for sure. Yep. More interesting to look at. Yep. So... Uh, I thought the acting in this was pretty top-notch all the way around, except for a couple of things with our stuntman. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I loved uh, Amanda Tapping and Richard Dean Anderson's acting in that cave. Um, you know, I just thought that, that she had this sense of despair that she was barely holding at bay, and... And she was trying to keep her spirits up for him and yet still feeling the despair of it. And, and he was all broken and battered and he was trying to keep her spirits up while he yeah. was bleeding out. Um, I, I just thought it was really, really quite good. Um, I, when I when I was watching it, I I. I am technically disagreeing, but not really strongly just because like, it just didn't, I got to brew on it a little more. For me, it was not quite as much of a home run. Uh, It, it it didn't, it's not like it felt forced. Boy, what, what am I trying to say? Um, I don't know. I might have to think on this one. It might be just my own, like, who knows what might be going on inside my head as far as like why I'm like saying eh, it was okay. Right. The acting overall was definitely like uh, nothing about it was glaringly bad at all. Right. Um, I, there have been other moments in the show where I have been so just, you know, have been gushing with how the acting has been done. And, and you know, and I, I didn't feel like this one was a particularly, uh, you know, that much of a gusher. Uh, the, the emotional storyline between Carter and O'Neill was fine. Um, I had a little note, especially compared with O'Neill and Kinthia. <laughs> like this one is like way better um, by a long shot. Yeah. So, you know, like I, it, I, I especially liked that moment at the end of this episode where she comes back and she's in despair and she's distressed and defeated. And she's just basically coming back to die because she knows that Mm -hmm. when she left there she was leaving him behind to die um uh and and she curls up and then he has that that moment where he kind of thinks about sarah and and she just kind of sits there and just says it's okay jack it's me i'm here and i just i felt that that was such a a a tender moment uh a despairing moment uh I, I don't think that there was much emotion directly between the two of them in that moment. Um, yeah. Per se, it was just him in his delirium and she, you know, taking that there. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was definitely. Uh, that was. I hesitate to call it the highlight. Um, 
just because it was such a it was such a sort of a powerful moment. Um, yeah, I don't know. I so I, I I am I have said my piece, and I'm not at all going to stand behind it because even I right now can't think of like why why was I why was I such a stickler about it. It what was it, what was about it was that I thought it was anything other than fine. I hmm. can't think of it, so I'm not going to defend it. There you go. Um, other than that was my take back all right. or my takeaway. Fair enough. Um couple things that I just kind of found fun. I love that comment uh when uh O'Neill says it's my sidearm, I swear. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> um, uh, uh you know grown. so that I just it's such a it's it's a it's an in your face and subtle comment there that just make me giggle. Yes. Um yes. I also like that scene um when uh Daniel and Teal and Hammond are sitting there and and uh Daniel turns to Teal and says, What happens when you dial your own phone number? Wrong person. And then he yeah. turns over to Hammond. <laughs> what dial- happens when you dial your own phone number? Uh, and I just, I thought that that little bit of dialogue there um, and, and know, just the directing there was just really spot on. Um, so, so we're going to do a little experiment here because the thought crossed my mind. I was wondering if somebody um, who does not know, who has never owned a landline, if, if they even know what that's talking about. Oh, yeah. You know, because I knew what he was getting at. So I'm going to try a quick experiment here. So Are you dialing your own cell phone? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, let's see what happens here. This is the sound of Brent dialing his phone. Oh, no, it's asking my No, it's asking for my password. It's it's it immediately knows who I am. It's going to my voicemail, which I use visual voicemail and have been using visual voicemail since visual voicemail was a thing. Meaning, I don't even know my own password. <laughs> So uh, yeah, don't yeah, I don't get a busy signal. Um, I, I tell you that so, much. So uh, those of you out there who have never had a landline, um, when you dial your own phone number, you get this funny little beep that goes boop, 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 and and that means that whoever you are trying to talk to is currently using the phone. Uh, this became more and more rare when things like call waiting took mm-hmm. place. Um, uh, and then, of course, cell phones changed things up a bit and and, and all of that stuff. But uh, there you go. In 1998, that would definitely have been a thing and prior. You get a busy signal. A busy signal. So apparently busy signals work for Stargates 2. <laughs> Instead of voicemail. <laughs> you don't get to I'm go to sorry. voicemail. <laughs> The subjugated people you are trying to reach are unavailable. <laughs> Please leave your slavery inhibitions at the door. And try again later. <laughs> and try again later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, a um, couple of things that I kind of didn't like about the episode. There aren't very many. Uh-huh. One... Um, when they do send the mount back to P4A771 to check to see whether O'Neill and Carter are still there or what's sure. going on, uh, and then they pull up that stock footage of of the planet, and there are all these yeah. just these rows of pillars, and I'm like, that's dumb. Yeah, it was pretty. I, I and thought, then from like 
from far away there come blaster bolts at them yeah, or, you know, like yeah and i'm like what this is stupid and then i then i had a moment there where you could see the other what, what are those things called what are the little robot de- or the uh, little malps little, yeah malps you can see the one yeah. you can see the first one and then and then you know the the next one gets attacked so viciously and so quickly that it just blows up and i'm like well what about the first one like why didn't they blow that, that one, one up that one doesn't look too bad right um well if they were shooting as far as they were shooting from maybe they just saw that the gate was open and they were just firing straight at the gate could be i don't know could be but anyway i thought that little piece of stock footage was pretty bad uh i mm-hmm. also noticed that the scratches that were on carter's face kept changing uh significant they what they i didn't notice that i mean no let me reframe that i kept feeling my gaze drawn to those scratches and I didn't think a whole lot of it just because it was these super close-up shots and she's doing a whole lot of teary-eyed action. And I was also kind of noticing just how well, uh, you know, well intact her mascara was for the entire thing. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I mean, I kept noticing the scratches or whatever. And I'm wondering if I was, my eyes were getting drawn to it because like they just kept morphing and I wasn't I was I mean, subconsciously aware of it. On one level, I suppose you might make an argument that as time passes for there, it gets, um, more dirty and you know blurry and such like that but yeah sure but uh you know that strikes me as not quite right there uh at least they were consistent on which side the scratches were yeah (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute wasn't your hump over there and on the other side what hump what all right. All right. Anyway, so scratches kept moving. Yep. So what else do you got? Um. So I already kind of went into my my bad thing where I was like, I, I don't know why I wasn't getting hooked with the emotional thing between Carter and O'Neill, but I kind of wasn't, mm-hmm. and I can't justify that, and I don't know why, but whatever. That's how I feel. So yeah, I, I'm feeling my feelings. Um. But then, then, then there was like the one weird thing where it was just like. So they so they locate. Well, okay, maybe the events it maybe the two storylines were not happening interchangeably in time. So originally, I was like, "Boy, they sure got to Antarctica fast." Um, you are not the only one on the internet who has said that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, came across so f- several spots in my goofs and, and trivia that that mentioned that. Sure. Well, I mean, there's two things here. Number one. I did a quick, uh, quick little did some maths, and uh, the, apparently it takes about eighteen and a half hours to fly at five hundred miles an hour from somewhere in the United States to Antarctica. And for all intents and purposes, all points in the United States are equally close to Antarctica, close enough, good enough, sure. right? So, eighteen and a half hours—that's a long time. Um, and if a person were knocked out unconscious, they could theoretically be completely out of it for eighteen hours, like you know. But then they would probably have a hard time coming back. Whatever. Well, she woke up after they got her on the gurney, strapped in all the blankets. Yeah, you know, but, that's a lot of jostling there. You know, I mean the. I mean, we don't know for Maybe sure how it all plays out. The the timeline yeah, doesn't quite fit. Um, but then there's the second explanation. Okay. Which is that there were two storylines going on. There was the one in the SGC, and there was one in the ice cave in Antarctica. And they were intercut in a way that made us think that these two things were happening simultaneously. But the amount of time 
No, never mind. Well, see, I mean, we know that the second time because the shakes that that the Stargate that that uh, Carter tries to get yeah. the Stargate to operate and it starts yeah. to vibrate and stuff that happens at like four a.m. in yeah. Mountain Time. Um, whatever time that turns out to be. And it was later that morning. So probably after nine o'clock in the morning when, uh, when they had that conversation about, you know, blah, 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 all of that stuff. Uh, let's assume that they got the information about the seismic reports very, very quickly. The soonest they could have left then probably would be like noon. Right. Um, so let's just Putting assume them in Antarctica it, at midnight. You know, well, no, six, the next day. yes, eight, six or seven a.m. the next day, right? If it's yeah, eighteen it's hours. Um, yeah. Now, from that moment, uh, I mean, yeah, you could certainly massage a little bit of uh, asynchronous timelines going on there. Um, and, and and Julie says that well you know it would have taken time for uh, the McMurdo crews to go out there and find the spot and then do the searches sure. and all of that stuff yep. and all that you know okay um, there's still some some problems in the timeline there I, I contend uh, but I didn't really care there is a th- there is a third and a fourth explanation <gasps> do say. Third. Do tell. Third. They took all of the SR-71 Blackbirds out of mothballs and flew them down to Antarctica, <laughs> drastically reducing the time that it took to get there. Right? Or four, uh, we haven't been... The, the SGC or the... Um, the folks at the SGC haven't at all mentioned any of the other technologies that are going on with the United States Air Force, including the very secret uh, teleporter trans- technology that they have developed. They had they don't talk about, so they just teleported down to McMurdo. It's possible. It is far more likely that they used the Blackbirds <laughs> than they had teleporter technology. <laughs> ah, you know, this is a sci-fi show. Um, anyway, all, all right. right. Um, so, what about you? Okay, I else? think I've said. There's just one more thing. I, I kind of felt that the the denouement, that little last little bit there, happens really, really quick. Right? She goes unconscious. She comes back unconscious. Oh, you're going to be okay. So is O'Neill, and everything's better. Boom. The end. I mean, wait, it, which part? The very, very end. The last, the very last, the last, part, last little bit. Mm-hmm. I just thought it moved a little bit too fast. Uh, it was like so glad to see you alive. Uh, yep, oh, see you and, later, bye. You're gonna be okay, and O'Neill's gonna be okay, and everybody's gonna be okay, and yay, boom, the end. Um, the end. It's yeah. a little bit quick for me, but you know it still works. Uh, what matters is not that end. What matters is the rest of the story, and the end is just a little stamp on the end that says, "Hey, it's all good." Sure. But yeah. So I think that's all I have to say. I liked it. This was a good one. Yes. This was a really good episode. All right. So, Brent. Yeah. This being a, quote, really good one. Yeah. How many chevrons do you give solitudes? So, I don't think I can, in good conscience, betray my Midwestern upbringing by giving something an absolute perfect score or an absolute 
abysmal score unless it's emancipation um so is this a seven Uh, i'm gonna go it's a six and the reason why i'm gonna say it's not a seven is because even though my mind was blown it was only blown in like the last i don't know five five minutes eight minutes of the story up until that time it was fine but i wasn't like on pins and needles i was in suspense i was curious of how they're going to figure this thing out but uh the the real meat and potatoes of this story which is the reveal at the end uh by definition can only happen well i don't know i guess you could probably tell the story a few different ways so that that reveal is not like you know the punch at the end maybe it's a punch in the beginning i don't know whatever but it's it's not I don't think it's like the best television I've ever seen and I got a feeling that this might not be the best that this series actually has to offer either but oh boy lots of fun man the possibilities just keep opening up and so many new wrinkles are getting added to the show and the story that I am like really excited to see where this thing goes so yeah so this is up there had a great time with this one so but I'm giving it a six all right Britain gives it a six I give Solitudes also a six. This Uh is a great episode. It's probably, uh, it's at least arguably the best episode of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got other episodes coming, uh, and I won't, you know, try to pull away from them at all. But I, you know, this is, you know, I guess we gave Thor's Hammer a six. And you gave the broken divide yeah. a six with some well, asterisks. I was young and foolish yeah. back then. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> we'll forgive you. <laughs> Thor's hammer, though, definitely is a six, right? Because yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we learn of a lot more about the other people. Did did we establish that they built the gates? I don't know. Uh, I don't we no. no I don't think so. The Asgard. Well, we didn't establish who built the gate at that point in time. We just learned right. that uh, the. Well, it was in actually Torment of Tantalus, the next episode that we find out. Yeah, with def- that's right. With certitude that the the uh, ghoul did not build the gates. But in any yeah. case, back to Solitudes. It is yes. a great episode. Uh, I give it a six. It's well worth watching again and again. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, we I mentioned this to you, I think, at one point in time, that Julie made me watch this episode before we recorded the last episode. And then I had to watch it yes, again. Yes, that's um, right. Because I wanted to. <laughs> um, and I needed to take a few more extra notes on it. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I would come back and watch this episode again and again. Yeah, yeah. this is a good one. This is a good one. Okay, Brent. So the next episode after Solitudes yeah. is called yeah. Tin Man. Mm-hmm. Please... Tell me what Tin Man is all about. This one's easy. So easy. Okay. The SG-1 team goes through the gate to find themselves in a magical land of color and small people. (laughs) They sing and dance and run around some little brickyard thing that happens to be cornflower color. No, that's blue, isn't it? That is kind of blue. Corn. And I can't say maize because that's my favorite. Anyway. Anyway. On an adventure to yellow. find out more information. I know, yellow. <laughs> on an adv- on a, as they attempt to find more information about the leader of this particular planet, they discover in the woods a curious android. And the android says, 
what mystery message is he trying to say? Will the SG-1 team figure out what he needs? Tune in next time for Tin Man. <laughs> it, it's, it's not that funny. <laughs> yes, it, it is. is. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, so how'd I do? Um, there are a lot of Wizard of Oz references throughout the series. I think we may have run into one or two along the way already. Uh, uh-huh. And with that, I'll say, shall we watch the teaser? Yes, we shall. Hold on, I gotta get my act together. All right. Okay, yes. Are you ready? Yes, we shall. And yes. go! A deserted world has one lone survivor. Come try ya! And he's got his eye on SG-1. You are all such wonderful specimens. How do we get into these outfits? I have made you all better. Better how? But leaving it behind is harder than it looks. You will be back! What did he do to us? Because the SG-1 team just may not be who they think what? they are. Machines, what? What? Luke! SG-1. It's Luke! Oh my gosh! Holy cow! And that is... Oh, Tin Man! Oh, I don't know uh, what's going to happen to me or with that. Yeah, that's... A, that, wow. And uh, uh, since we have <clears throat> watched that teaser and you saw it in there, you saw the one dude, he kind of clapped his hands there. Uh, yeah. Did you hear what he said? Other than um, he said, uh, such wonderful specimens. No, he said, "Come try ya, come try ya." Yeah, and 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 that? and uh, uh, if you recall from Jess's email, some you know weeks ago, oh. uh, she responded at some point in time when they're with a "Come try ya," and she said, "Brent, you'll understand later, and uh-huh. you will find out in this episode." <laughs> Is this like a greeting that like super nerds of the Stargate universe like, you know, t- say to each other when they see each other? I am going to let you wait and find uh-huh. out. Am I going to next time I see you, am I going to see you from across a crowded room and be all like, come try ya? I that, would never do that to you, Brent. No, me to you. Oh, uh, well, you're going to do that to me? Yeah, I would totally do that to you. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I would too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so long as we're on the same page. Yeah, well, hey, there you go. Uh, so, if you want to tell us any other of your little uh, tidbits about the show to tease Brent on something, huh. uh, email huh. us at walkingthroughthestargate yeah. at gmail.com or talk to us on Twitter at Stargate yeah. Walking or go to the Facebook page and find us on Walking Through the Stargate on Facebook and the group and, and all of that stuff and have yep. conversations and talk to each other and ask your friends to join and let's actually have a make this a big community of awesome Stargate nerds. Australia! Australia? I, I, I can't. Yeah, Australia! That's what he's Come saying. Try ya. Come try Whatever. What? Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> with that, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. See ya. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.